James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC, the crown jewel of American radio. And welcome to your Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Here we are. 800-848-WABC is the number to call. We'd love to hear from you. 848-WABC, 848-92-22. You can talk to the love man. He's here. Mr. Avery. You know, Avery, I have a, I have a, I've been thinking about you, Avery. I have a. It's getting creepy first thing. No, it's not getting creepy. I ha- Avery, I want you to do something. I think here's if if you want to. I think that Avery would be the perfect po- person to host an advice column. Ask dear Avery, and you can ask Avery any question in the world that you, that you want. You need advice on if you need help with your love relationship, if you need help with anything. Avery, are you down for this? Do you think this would be a good idea, dear Avery? Uh, yeah. yeah, don't don't ask me a question you don't want to hear hear the answer to. I just now see this is the way to go, dear Avery. The advice column. I think Avery would be, you know, he's the perfect person to get advice from. We're expecting, of course, to hear from good our good friend Derek Hunter, world renowned author, columnist, all around media personality. There's a story that, yes, yes, we're going to talk about the king, the new king, King Charles. He has the crown on his head. We just heard from Danny at Danny's last report. Danny said the, the crown is on his head. Congratulations, king. Oh, kingy there. Uh, there's a story in the Amazon Prime Washington Post. Of course, coverage is everywhere about the coronation. But there is a story in the Amazon Prime Washington Post about the protesters. And yes, there are protesters a mile away from Westminster Abbey, where King Charles III has now been crowned. There are thousands gathered. Seven people at least have been detained in a police operation. And it is called the Not My King. They're the Not My King protesters. These are people who want to see the monarchy dissolved, and they want to see it replaced with a head of state that would remain, like the king is, apolitical or supposedly apolitical. But some people want to see a head of state that can actually get involved when things are going wrong politically. So, so they want the king to have more power? They want to get rid of the king, period. And, and replace him with a king is what it sounds like. Well, replace him with a, a head of state, like in a super-duper prime minister. They don't have any power anyway. They're figureheads. Thank you, a prime prime minister. But they have a prime minister. <laughs> well, this would be the prime prime minister. The super Can you give prime. me an example of where this is being done? I think, a... I think the argument is that there's something about like them being, like, Someone head of state, technically, with actual no power, but they still live in this big palace, even though they're not important. Is that it? No, they want to. I don't know what happens to the palaces, but they want a head of state 
abolish the monarchy, get a head of state that can actually intervene. But that's a monarch. It's the definition of a of a king is they, what they want. They want to get saying. rid of they want to get rid of parliament and go. They want to, they no. want to get rid of the fake king and get a real king is what it sounds like you're saying. No, they want someone that would still be quote unquote not a member of the political party, but that would have just a little bit more power to say if there's something illegal happening. So just like the king, except having power. Look, here's that what I want. Like I mean, this is what I want. Oh, I would okay. love to see, and this will never happen. But I would love to see some mechanism by which the king actually takes power again and just says, you know what, screw all this. I'm the king. If you don't like it, off with your head. Man, when you said you hated the 4th of July, you're not yeah. kidding. A king, a Whoa. <laughs> oh, here we go. go old school. Here we go. He wants to go back. A king of- <laughs> no, I'm just saying in fantasy world. I would just love to see this In happen. your fantasy world? Just, just, you want to have a king that can behead people. That would be your dream leadership. I, I like Game of Thrones, okay? I would love to see England. Yeah, that works out really well for everyone. <laughs> Hey, let me tell you something. I thought you didn't hey, like the dragons. Hey, 50% of Game of Thrones was nudity, so I'll take that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it was incest nudity. Ew. No, that was, uh, that was 15% of the 50%. Oh. <laughs> no, but I would just, in, in, in Fantasyland, I would love to see some mechanism by which the king gets back power over parliament and over the whole system and just kind of just disrupts everything. I like disruptors. And so I would like to see this happen. And the king just one day says, you know what? I'm tired of this no power business. I am a sovereign. I'm the sovereign and the sovereign rules. And you know what? All these rules you people have put on the king. No, forget it. Now, the last time this happened, of course, was, was King Charles. Uh, not the other king. Tim, was it king? I'm talking about the king that was beheaded and replaced by. <laughs> That's how it always is, pretty much, right? It was ugly. It was brutal. Who wants to be that guy? <laughs> <laughs> Nobody treachery in the court. Like every TV show we've ever seen from Showtime to HBO is going to come to life. Exactly. <laughs> be- beheadings and ambassador children. You there were other stories out today about how half of the king's realm, most of the king's realm, they don't even want to be part of the British Empire anymore. The king's yeah. realm. They have nothing but benefits. <laughs> hey, Derek, welcome. It's <laughs> like no downside to being like in, the, an in the Commonwealth. Prime Minister, is that it? You can make it modern. That's, that's what the protesters want. They want a super-duper prime minister they want a head of state that actually has just a little bit of power and get rid of this king guy. So they want parliament, but just with a... Yeah, with, I'm with, with a, everybody with a... but you, James. Everybody is right but you. <laughs> it is. <laughs> like, uh, they don't know what the hell they want. They want somebody to come in and fix it. They want a benevolent dictator who only exercises their power when things don't go smoothly. But then half the country always thinks things aren't going smoothly, so they want their benevolent dictator. They want a Darth Vader living in the in the in the White Tower. Optimus Prime <laughs> Minister. Let's bring the Transformers into it. We get Mattel to sponsor it and we close any budget gaps. The tiebreaker. <laughs> okay, the Amazon Prime Washington Post says, under the model advocated by Republic, 
an elected head of state would be free to speak out on important issues of the day, unlike the king now. What does that he mean? Could, He's free he to could speak, speak out, out about it. Like, he okay, could that's speak out. Pat him on the say, head, give him a lollipop, and tell him to shut up. You spoke out about it. Now go inbreed or whatever it is you royals do. And then they say, and this is the important part, this new super-duper prime minister would be able to stop the politicians from doing something if they are breaking the rules, and they would be accountable in the same way as any other political figure. They could be removed so by parliament. They want a referee. They're voting yeah, to give somebody. They want a Supreme Court, per se. There are other countries with elected heads of state, like Ireland and Italy. They want to go by Italy. Oh, there's a stable government. So they want their yeah. prime minister to be elected, like like the the parliamentary systems that have a directly elected head is that what is that apparently they want both they want the prime minister that is chosen by the majority party and they want some other guy who on occasion in case of emergency break glass which doesn't make a whole lot of sense isn't isn't justin all the time isn't justin trudeau directly elected or not no he's not they form a coalition government that chooses the prime minister he, he's actually yeah. never gotten a majority of the vote up in uh, Cuba North. <laughs> Cuba Being a relative North. of Castro and all. Yeah. Who is this actress? Who is this Evangeline Lilly? Are you familiar she's with in her? in the uh, Ant-Man movies. She was in Lost. Mm. What about her? Well, she says that she's she is venting that... Society's current push to feminize men and masculine and 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 make women masculine is just really off track. No, she's she was um, she said some things that were uh, based in the past. I just can't remember exactly what it was. I think it might have been vaccine related, but she has uh, stepped into the fray before not directly just one of those she says something and then all of a sudden oh my god what did i what did she just say and then her people scramble to clear it up so that's not completely shocking okay um, she's also unlike gianna carano for, who got fired by disney over the mandalorian She's a major player in the Ant-Man franchise, which makes a ton of money for Marvel Studios and Disney, so they won't fire her. They will okay, probably she just says, walk back everything she says. She says, why do we feel the need to vilify a man wearing S-kicker boots, driving a pickup who's not afraid to punch someone in the face, but if they were a woman, they would be the epitome of cool. She also wonders, why is a man who loves makeup, cries easily, and stays at home tend to be the domestic responsibilities uh, valiant? But a woman who does the same thing is is pathetic. So she's just questioning the way that we look at the, I wonder if she's going to, you don't think she's going to take any heat for this? She's going to take a lot of heat for it. Are you kidding oh. me? She's going to catch hell for it. That's why I say they'll eventually walk it back. If it were a normal actress, if this were the uh, the fourth lead instead of the first female lead in the Ant-Man movies, they would, I don't know, they'd invite her to leave, write her character out of existence and say, well, she wasn't going to be in the next movies anyway. But they can't 
do that. She plays the Wasp in the Ant-Man and the Wasp movies. So and it's not because she's a white Anglo-Saxon Protestant. She's the lead superhero character now. She's uh, important. So they kind of have to let it slide and hope that few people notice. Mm, well, let's make more people notice. Right. All right, I got to ask get, you let's, this. Let's, <laughs> we found a conservative in Hollywood. Let's get her. No, I mean, let's help her. Let's help her just spread her views. I mean, this woman's talking sense. Okay, so Fox is demanding that Dominion don't censor me. <clears throat> I can say Dominion on the air now, and people don't reach for the button. <laughs> huh? Oh man! Oh, you have no idea, Derek. The first time I said Dominion, I was like censored, and I went off on everybody. It's like I just said the word Dominion. I'm not gonna get you sued. What? What, Diego? You were the one that censored me. Yeah, I was. It was. Um, it was. The force of habit, mostly, because I know it's a news story, but we were we were we were told not to. Is it, what what yeah. is you were told not to now. say the word dominion? We're told it because um, I don't think I should talk about it. But you yeah. shouldn't talk about it. It's policy, it's policy. and we You're don't want to get anybody get, in trouble. Is this every day? You just try, wake up. You know what? Today I'm going to try and get people fired. You know, no, it's just that now Billy, I can say I the word. Get, but maybe I. But I would never. I'm I'm a responsible broadcaster, and I have always been responsible. I would have never said anything. And I was just reporting news stories. I wasn't offering an opinion. Anyway, there's a news story today, Derek, that I have to ask you about. Fox is demanding that Dominion conduct an internal probe after all of the Tucker Carlson text of messages this week that have been leaked have been leaked. Yeah. And Dominion people are saying, hey, we don't have anything to do with this leak. They also filed an injunction against that horrid group, Media Matters, and Media Matters is kind of laughing in their face about it. So what's the skinny? What's the skinny? If I had to guess, I would have probably put the blame just at a hypothetical situation, since we're just making it, just a couple of guys talking here. I would put the blame somewhere, or at least point in suspicion toward somebody who might be trying to file a lawsuit against the company and particularly worked for the show and would have had access to the control room, would have had access to raw footage, would have had access to those sorts of things. I mean, honestly, if I were Fox, I would, that's where I would look, but I'd also want to send them an edible arrangement or something because this is it. This is behind the scenes. Tucker is exactly that way in in private, you know. And like, oh man, it's so there's nothing scandalous about that. He's makes jokes, he swears, he's like a real human being. It used to drive me nuts. What was it in Us Magazine? I used to. It was my dentist office waiting room reading thing. When like celebrities are just like us, they they carry their <laughs> babies. And like, what do you mean they carry? Are, are, do we expect celebrities to like drag them by the feet down the street? These newborn children, like it, it, Tucker, is exactly how he is, and exactly how most people are. I tell you, as somebody who knows quite a few of these people in in big media, it shouldn't be, but it's a rarity, and it's refreshing that Tucker is who he is. A lot of the other people are uh, not. So they're trying to make a scandal out of it, but the most scandalous thing was he watched an Antifa guy get the crap beat out of him 
and said, yeah, and then he caught himself and said, no, I don't want to be this person. What have I become? And did some soul searching to a coworker. Now, I realize mm. the left doesn't have a soul to search. They've already sold it. But, you know, a normal human being might catch themselves and go, I just, I don't feel particularly good about this. And Tucker did. And Tucker then told people about it. Now the world know. And if that's the worst that they've got, believe me, it is, uh, hell, given what they've come out with, I wouldn't be surprised if Tucker were the leaker, except that it went through the little fascists over at uh, Media Matters. He would have never yeah. done that. Wow. So have you, um, do you have any other thoughts about, it's been, it's starting to cool down now just a little bit now. Uh, do you think, let me ask you a question, because I've been hearing this too. You might know the answer to this, Derek. I hear that he has not really been fired, that they just have taken him off the air, but they're still paying him, et cetera, under his contract. And this is in a sense, to yeah, he's been locked up. Anywhere else. Right. I do not have any insights into that. I uh, texted him the day I heard, but other than that, I left him alone because I can imagine what he's dealing with and all the the feces he's catching. But uh, every year, one of the things about Tucker is once you get in his world, I was shocked the first time. I got text messages just after midnight, right when it became my birthday, from Tucker. Hey, man, I was still up. Hey, happy birthday. Like, responded, and we had a nice little chat. Every year on my birthday, he's done that. His calendar must be full of reminders of everybody he's ever met if they manages to come across their birthday because he sends out text messages, at least to me. And if I make the cut, then God knows a million people make the cut. So I started doing the same thing to him. His birthday is coming up on the 16th. I'm not going to harass him or ask him anything uh, before that. I am just going to do what I have always done for the past 15 years and shoot him a text message wishing him a happy birthday on his birthday and see if he responds this time. I imagine he's meeting with teams of lawyers and they're combing through all sorts of ways. To, and he's probably wrestling with the, do I want this giant pile of money for doing nothing? Or do I want to do something? Do I have a giant enough pile of money that I can forego this other giant pile of money? And then, you know, am I mad? Do I want to go out and do what? I don't know all the things that are going through his head, but I can imagine some of them. And that's not going to be a decision that's going to be made right away, nor is it a decision that needs to be made right away. All right. Now, when we get back, there is still this case going on in New York. Mr. Neely uh, put in a chokehold, dead. Yeah. The leftists are claiming it's murder. Mm -hmm. uh, I want to definitely, because this has inflamed people, and you have people like uh, uh, Ariana Presley. It hasn't really inflamed them. I tell you, if all of these leftists and the members of the goon squad cared about the people that get killed in horrible circumstances as much as they claim to after they've been dead, if they cared about them one-tenth of that much while they were still alive, they'd still be alive. So we've got that. We've got the reactions from, again, AOC, he was murdered, and we've also got now a grand jury apparently going to take a look at this. We have the border, Derek. The border is out of control. Title 42 is about to end. Mm -hmm. 
And I saw the figures, over $6 million, and this is what Todd Benzman, who's been with us on this program a lot, has warned. We have over 6 million entries of illegal immigrants into this country in the last year. I mean, since Biden has come in. 6 million. We've got all that, and we've got a lot more. There was a hysterical, hysterical, at least to me, piece in the Los Angeles Times about their new mansion tax. The one that's supposed to soak the super rich. It's not working like they planned. All that and more. WABC. It's our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. 800-848-WABC is the number to call if you want to be part of the program. And we're coming back right after this. The Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. Bob Seger brings us back. Seems like yesterday. But it was long ago. Jane, it was lovely. She was a queen of my night. There in the darkness with the radio. I love this song. Mountains that we move. Bob Seger, nineteen forty five. Born today, 1977, of course, the hit Night Moves, 1987, Shakedown. But then there was this song. To me, this is his most iconic song, Against the Wind. Bob Seger's birthday today here on WABC Talk Radio 77. Derek Hunter is with us. Derek, of course, is a full-fledged media personality, every aspect of the media, yeah, <laughs> and all of that. And also, uh, we get some really good insights from Derek on what family life in America is really like these days. Are you going to soccer today with the kids? No, we are skipping soccer today. We have tickets to go to uh, Mount Vernon. To... Oh, you're taking the kids to Mount Vernon? We're taking the kids to Mount Vernon. Uh, the wife bought, there's like a cruise or something. It's not a real cruise, but you get on a boat and then you get to go out in the Potomac and see what Mount Vernon looks like from the water. We were just, the wife and I were at uh, Mount Vernon two weeks ago for the Heritage Foundation's 50th anniversary party. Cause... Now, for those of us who, who don't live in the Washington, D.C. area, remind me again what Mount Vernon is? George Washington's home. Oh, cool. Oh. Uh, yeah, George oh, Washington. I, what am I, how am I going to remember? <laughs> you got that? Google in front of you, man. Uh, yeah, but it's, Google it's doesn't beautiful. translate well. We were at the uh, Heritage did Foundation you go to the, anniversary party there the other did day. Did you go to and, the Did you go to the slave quarters while you were at Mount Vernon? Uh, the first time I went, the second time I went was for a private event that was on the lawn, and so no, we just went to the party and ate and drank. Today oh. we will because. We'll have time to kill. We're getting a we got a tour of the house and the boat ride and and the slave quarters. Now, what about them? Are you going to tour the slave quarters too? What did I just say? I said yes. We're going to do the whole thing. Okay. We're making a Saturday of it. We're sacrificing world championship quality soccer, <laughs> trying <laughs> to go to this thing. All right, so I want to start on this whole mansion uh, thing, this because this Derek, this is 
hysterical. In the days before Los Angeles mansion tax, now this was, liberals got what they wanted. They said, we want to soak the rich. We want a tax on the ultra, ultra rich. Right. So if they sell their house, then we're going to take a nice chunk of it. We're going to take 4% on all residential and commercial real estate transactions above $5 million. And we're going to take 5.5% on sales above $10 million. Mm-hmm. So super rich people that wanted to get rid of their properties were offering all kinds of things. They were offering exotic cars. They were offering crazy bonuses for people who were willing to buy before this thing took place. Mm-hmm. And then the tax. Then came tax day. During March, when all the was the peak of all of this, this tax took uh, came into effect in April. So there was a lot of movement in the market. Then the tax day came, and that's it. What the wealthy have done now is take their properties off the market. They're not selling them, or they're trying to figure out workarounds. Meaning, if instead of if they have a big estate, they're now trying to figure out how they can parcel it up or parse it up into different properties and sell the different properties, uh, I guess, to the same buyer for less so that they can avoid the tax. The revenue that was projected to come in from this windfall of rich people selling their homes is not materializing. What they're not. Does, does it? They're no right. They're not getting any of the money that they thought. And since the case, by the way, is being challenged in court, there is the possibility that if these, if if this is found to be unconstitutional, all of the sales that were made where the city did collect this tax, that money is going to have to be, you know, given back. So the whole thing is a mess out there, and now there's no movement in the real estate market among luxury houses. Now you don't have the money that they thought they were going to have. You know what I find funny all... about this, James? Is Go ahead. The, these rich people are going to screw these rich people when they sell their houses. They Normal people need to sell their houses. Rich right. people have multiple houses. I mean, the real rich people. And so they're like, they're not... In desperate need, like, oh, man, I need $50,000 cash. I'll just sell this house and take the money. They're not like that. So they go, you know what? I'll just sit on it. I'll actually make rental income from it or whatever. I'll do Airbnb, whatever it is they do, because they don't need the money. They they sell houses not because, you know, Jeff Bezos isn't going to go, we need to sell this house or else I'm not going to be able to buy my head razors to shave myself bald this week. <laughs> it is he goes you know what i want to sell this house because it's it'll get me a profit oh it won't get me a profit now well the hell with it i'll just shove it in there and if i need a couple of uh, million dollars i'll just you know dig through the couch cushions and see what what shakes out there they don't need to do these transactions so why would they and then they just go well we'll rent it well now they're going to probably next try to go to pay a capturing money from rental of luxury pop- properties. They will try to screw over the rich people all they want. But the funny thing is they're all rich people and they let the rich people in the room or they at least let the accounting firms of the rich people in the room 
and they always have an emergency escape hatch. You got to be a real dumb rich person. They'll screw over a lottery winner, but they won't get anybody who actually earns money, who actually takes a risk, anybody who starts a company, because they know how to play the game. And long term, it'll be more people going, yeah, California is really nice. I had no way in hell I'm moving there under any circumstances. I'll fly in, I'll rent a house, I'll stay at the Four Seasons, whatever, but I'm not going to move to California because why would I? So all you do is end up screwing over. I remember back in the 90s listening to Rush talk about the tax that Clinton put on, I think it was on sailboats. Yachts. Than it was on luxury yachts. It was like that. And guess tax. what happened? The used versions of those boats skyrocketed in price because then they didn't they weren't subject to the tax. They're still cheaper than buying new and the uh, sale of boats like one foot short of that skyrocketed and the people who got screwed were the blue collar workers who made the 100 foot boats. They got screwed. Exactly. Exactly. I remember that. That was the yacht tax. Yep. And it backfired so they eventually had to repeal it. Of course. They because did. it it just it killed the marketplace. And so that's what they're going to do in LA. These they never learn though. It's the it's same real mistakes people. over and over again. Granted, I I watch a million dollar listing Los Angeles and I enjoy it and and the decadence it turns my stomach a little bit and there's a lot of jealousy there. But those are the people who are getting screwed. It's the people who sell these houses. Because the, pe- the people, if you own a $30 million house, you're, I suspect you're not worth $30 million. I suspect you're worth a lot more than that. If you're worth 30, occasionally an athlete will go, you know what, I'm going to make this kind of money forever, and I'm going to put it all into a big house, and then they'll go broke and need to sell their house. But if you're buying a $25, $30 million house, you probably got a lot more money than that. And you're not worried about it. But if you're living off the commission of that and the the staging for that and the lawn maintenance for that and everything, you're getting screwed. You're getting screwed. So Democrats always do things that sound great to their constituents who don't understand common sense and logic, but end up screwing over the people they profess and scream from the mountaintops that they desperately want to represent. All right, Derek, when we get back, we got to take a break. I want to go philosophical for a minute with you. Yeah, I do. I want to talk about what it's going to take to fix certain things in society. And that's more of a philosophical question. All right. Oh, man. Really? Yeah, baby. With a highway magic in the Hamptons. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurdy, here on WABC. It's our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. You are welcome to join in. 800-848-WABC. Don't go away. The Saturday morning radio extravaganza is in your ears. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. Uh, from the soundtrack, Saturday Night in the Fever. Saturday Night Fever today, this week, started its run... At number one on the album charts and would stay there for almost, let me see, how many months 
It stayed almost number one for about 18 weeks. How many pounds of polyester did you pile on listening to this record? I mean, I love, you know what I loved? I was, I was working at my first job in radio when this album came out. When, or when it was out. And the one song that to this day I still play and love like it's new. Never get tired of hearing it was How Deep Is Your Love. To me, that's one of the finest songs that I've ever heard, finest compositions. Is that, and, for the longest time, I think you're going to talk about lyrics that you get wrong. Is that the one you come to me in a summer breeze? Yeah. yeah. For yeah. the longest time, I thought, I don't know why, it didn't make any sense. Not that Come To Me On A Summer Breeze does, but it's at least semi-poetic. I thought that was You Come To Me On A Submarine. Oh, my gosh. You Come To Me In On A Submarine. In and, and I'm like, what the hell? Like, I didn't get I it. I didn't know what it was. Milwaukee. But, uh, yeah, it ranks right up there with, like, uh, racked up like a, uh, well, I won't say it, but. Um, Please don't. Yeah, but okay. one of those things are, uh, excuse me while I kiss this guy. One of those lyrics that I just always got wrong was, you come to me on a submarine. Okay. Now, well, now when you hear it next time, you might not be able to unhear, you come to me on a submarine. Yeah, well, I'm probably not going to do that. So let me ask you a question, Derek. We yeah. are, uh, I don't know whether you saw the pictures you may have of the two-mile wide homeless encampment, except this is not your ordinary homeless encampment. These are people in RVs, and then they've set up tents and so forth in, 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 in front of the RVs. This is on US-1 out in California in Marin County. Now, you know about California. This is some expensive, expensive real estate they're on. Yes. And yet there's a two-mile, two-mile on both sides of the road encampment of RVs and homeless people. All right, so the last time I was in the last time I was in um Seattle. Now Seattle is home to Amazon. Seattle is home everyone thinks about Silicon Valley in California, home but if you Microsoft. go up to right, if you go up to, to Redmond and all that, Microsoft is up there. There were a ton. Amazon is there. You put Amazon and Microsoft in the same town, you're talking in the, in the same locale. That is a powerhouse. And also you have Boeing in Everett. So this is an area that has a lot of wealth. And yet, when I was in Seattle, there were homeless encampments on, on the on not just the roads, not just in the city. They've taken over downtown. Downtown is worse than anything I have seen in all the time I have been going back and forth to Seattle. It's almost it is scary what has happened to downtown Seattle. And the cra- I mean, when I say the crazies are out, I don't mean that pejoratively. I mean, you have to really watch your back like right. you're in New York because you don't, you're not sure that if you turn your back, some person's going to come behind you and maybe hurt you very seriously. And you see the, the same acting out, people walking down the street, yelling to the moon, screaming, screaming, whatever, nuts. But on the sides of the highways, Derek, there are people in tents. Okay, that's on the West Coast. Then you go down to L.A. There are now homeless encampments encroaching into Beverly Hills near Rodeo Drive. 
There are homeless encampments spread all over. In fact, some businesses are saying, we can't do anything to get these people out of here. You go across the country. Hold on. We're in New York. You know the homeless problem in New York. We just saw another example of the mental illness that's here. This young man has been arrested 44 times, autism, schizophrenic. And and yet wandering the streets. And you multiply that by I don't know how many thousands. If you go to Washington, D.C., I'm sure you see it in Baltimore and D.C. If you go to Florida, if you go almost, what in the hell has happened to this country that we cannot do a better job in helping people that severely need help, that have mental illnesses, And why are we seeing so many people that are homeless and with all the money that we're spending, they're still out in tents. They're still at the side of the road. They're in their RVs. What's going on here, Derek? Because the Chardonnay drinking suburban white woman who funds the Democratic Party doesn't care. They don't they aren't going to these cities, James, so they don't see them. I when I used to drive into Baltimore and DC with regularity, now I do I now I avoid it like the plague. Every intersection was a slalom of there's a homeless person on one side, there's a homeless person on the other side, there's a homeless person walking down the streets at every single stoplight and you just go, God, I just I just want to be left alone. I'm reminded of um, a rant I just did on my podcast about because you, you go to a checkout counter every now every store now would you like to enter your phone number all right I gotta enter my phone would you like to donate a dollar for this thing no I don't would you want to round up for this cost do you want and then they ask you hey do you want us to write your name on a balloon and we'll put it on the wall like no I don't I just want to buy my stuff and get the hell out of here I just want to drive through a town and get to where I'm going I don't want to be harassed I want it's a nice day. I'd like to put the window down, but you can't put the window down because there'll be 15 people coming up to you for money. It's not that you're not compassionate. It's like enough already. Sometimes you just want to be left alone. And the uh, people who are not demanding anything be done about this, the people who control the Democratic Party, the people without whom they would lose elections, the wealthy white suburban lady who drinks Chardonnay at 3 o'clock. It's Chardonnay o'clock. They don't deal with that. They don't go there, so they don't care. They don't care. Now it's sort of creeping, to quote the great philosopher uh, Jeremiah Wright, the chickens are coming home to roost for these people as the uh, undesirable parts of society are creeping into their neighborhoods now. And they don't have a leg to stand on. They've defunded the police. They've badmouthed the police. They've made it to the point that the Ferguson effect is real, that every time a cop gets out of their car, there's 15 people with a cell phone going, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? Filming him. So he's not going to get out of the car unless and until an emergency is called over the phone. Well, that's all well and good when it's an abstract in some other poor neighborhood where, yeah, the people live and you're looking out. Look, you, you... Donate to the Sierra Club. So you're trying to fight environmental racism. So you're you're good. Now that it's happening down in the cul-de-sac where you live or near there on the way, I suspect things will change a little bit, but not much. As I said at the beginning of the show, if the people complaining the loudest about the the death of Jordan Neely actually gave a damn about people like Jordan Neely. You wouldn't know the name Jordan Neely, but they don't become politically useful 
until they're dead. George Floyd became a saint. He was a non-entity until he died. But, you know, to sit there and say, those, those evil cops, they robbed this young woman of her father. No, crack robbed that young woman of her father years ago. And all the encounters with the law that he had, where they let him off easy, uh, robbed that little girl of her father. Yeah, Derek Chauvin was the ultimate death knell for him, but the robbing of his life and the people around him was allowed to happen by all these politicians because you can't monetize helping a junkie and you can't really get a lot of votes on that. But you sure as hell can drive people to the streets in the name of justice when they become useful by dying on film. Okay. We see the problem, and you have identified the problem. I want solutions. And Mike, Derek, mistakenly or not, and you can you can say that I might be politically ignorant here, mm-hmm. and, and I'll take that from you if this is the case. My take, Derek, is that these problems are not going to ever be fixed unless the Republican Party stops standing on the sidelines and actually takes up these causes, because it is apparent to me that Democrats will never take up these causes. They will keep the issue, and they will run on the issue of, what do they call it, wealth inequality and all the rest of the things as a philosophical issue. But the problems that real people are facing in these inner cities, and not just the inner cities, these are spread across now even in suburban areas. These problems are not going to be addressed unless the, they become addressed from conservatives in this country. And we cannot just stand on the sidelines and look at all this happening and shake our finger and say, okay, the soulless left allows this to happen. But that doesn't solve anything. See, there's a, you're not politically ignorant as far as the solutions. They're not going to come from the Democrats. The Democrats have had absolute control of these areas for generations where these problems are, the, where the tumor started, right? Where the problem started. Democrats have controlled them since the 40s or 50s. And it's their policies that helped cause these. The problem is Republicans kind of walked away like a dealer at shift change in Vegas, you know, for blackjack, where they clap their hands together, nothing up my sleeve, and they walk away. Republicans have given up on that. There's no votes in it for them. Um, And there won't be Yeah, but but, Okay, so there are no votes. Let me take a break. No, I get it. I get it. But I'm just telling you why they won't address it. Because when Rand Paul... Rand Paul, I thought, made a a huge stride when he went in 2016. He went to Howard University. He went and talked to students at Howard University, did a QA. and a And it wasn't, certainly they weren't welcoming him with uh, softball questions like they would for Joe Biden. But he went there. And that's what Republicans need to do more of. The problem is that's hard work. Nobody wants to do hard work. Not a politician. James Goldman, a.k.a. Snurdly coming back. WABC Talk Radio 77, 800-848-WABC. Right back. Don't go away.
from the Majestic 12 to Area 51 to Operation Paperclip to the pyramids to UFOs to Stonehenge, hidden underground bases, close encounters to cover-ups to abductions. They're running a strange program, y'all. Hear it all on the other side of midnight with Frank Morano, putting the extra in extraterrestrial weeknights all night long. 77 WABC. It's Saturday! It's Saturday! It's Saturday! Saturday! It's Saturday! It's the Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. Phil Perry brings us back in on our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. This is insane. All you did was say hello. Speak my name. Cover song, the first recorded by Dion Warwick. Like a love I used to know. Deja vu. Derek Hunter is with us. Derek, another question for you. J.P. Morgan, CEO and also the Google founder, Jamie Dimon and and Larry Page, have been subpoenaed. They're supposed to testify in a case related to Jeffrey Epstein. What did they know? the The underlying issue was what did they know and when did they know it? Whether they knew about the sex trafficking and also his access to large sums of cash. I mean, it's his cash. I don't know what that, but... So let me ask you a question. Is this Epstein... I mean, this is something you see all over social media. He erupts from time to time. Every time there's some new information. This week it was who's in Jeffrey Epstein's address book. Mm-hmm. Is this... Who's is, in his is calendar? Epstein? Who's having lunch calendar. with him. Bill Gates was in there an awful lot. Mm. Yeah, Supposedly that was one of the issues that Mrs. Gates found. Uh, to Turns be... out that chicks don't dig it when their husbands hang around with child rapists. I don't know. It's, I, I, I'm glad I learned that lesson not firsthand. It's one of those proxy lessons that I'll, I'll take to the grave with me. And, and I'm thankful for the knowledge. Is there anything to this Jeffrey Epstein story? Is this going to just be one of those... Every year we just get little drips and drabs about Epstein, this, Epstein, that, and nothing ever comes of it. It's going to have to be one of those stories because the only way we get information is when somebody sneaks it out the back door, when somebody Sandy Burgers it and sticks it in their socks and isn't searched by the guards and they get it out because the people who want to keep it in are wildly rich and powerful, you know? So they they don't want it all at once. The smart thing would be to just go, all right, let's give the world uh, everything that we've got because we deserve it. And people were hurt and children were harmed and what have you. But the people that apparently did it or were cool with it being done are too rich to ever want that to be to be known about them. So it'll be one of those situations where you you find out about it long after who is the guy who played uh, Hogan in Hogan's Heroes what was his name i forgot his name but, but i know to, what you're talking about yeah, yeah. Well, he, after he died 
you find out that this guy was into a lot of weird, kinky stuff, right? Yep, yep, yep. After he didn't know it while he was, he kept it secret while he was alive. Well, sooner or later, these people are going to die, and then we will find out about I don't know what they, I guess they just want to not be caught or not be questioned or whatever about what they knew and when they knew it while they're alive. They'll leave that for their kids and grandkids to deal with because they're just... They're like Grandpa of the Year, like Joe Biden, who has uh, one, won't acknowledge his one granddaughter. So yeah, that's kind of he was on. You know, he was on PMSNBC last night. That's by the way, he claims that he's unable to go to the coronation sent Jill because he was busy, and he told Stephanie Rule apparently that 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 he was busy doing her show, which is why he couldn't make it over for the coronation. <laughs> he's senile. And he's stupid. You know, it's just tough to know which one is in play at any given moment. Is it is senility or is it because he's been stupid a whole long time, his whole life. He's only been senile for the past 10 years. But as far as the Epstein stuff goes, we're not going to know until somebody does some actual journaling. Look, there's we still don't have the manifesto for the Nashville trans killer. Why? Because the police said they were going to release it, and then they said, well, we can't release it now because some media outlets are suing us to release it. What sense does that? It doesn't. It's just that whenever there is information out there that the public would normally have and should have and is legally entitled to, if it's damaging to Democrats, they will pull the Clinton thing. Deny, deny, delay, delay, and then when it finally comes out, you go, old news. What's the big deal? Derek Hunter, ladies and gentlemen, you can find Derek at Town Hall. You can find Derek. Derek, your podcast. People want to see your, see your podcast. Where do they go? Uh, they can just search Derek Hunter Podcast, or if you want to hear uh, the Weekend Evan Review, which uses saucy language, uh, patreon.com slash Derek Hunter Podcast or DerekHunter.locals.com. Two flavors, no waiting. Thank you, Derek. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley, Hour 1, in the can. We are coming back. Hour 2, 3 to go. Glad you're here for our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. A lot more to do. And we're going to do it. Stay right here. 848-WABC-800-848-9222. Don't go away. Nerdly on 77 WABC, the crown jewel of American radio. Yes, we are, and it is Saturday. It is our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Glad to have you here, and thank you for being here. 800-848-WABC is the number to call. Danny DeCrescenza is still here. Danny, what is going on in these uh, these things that I could care less about basketball? Uh, the playoffs. NBA playoffs. Well, first of all, yeah. I missed you last week. Uh, I'm sorry I couldn't be around. I always love hopping on your show and listening to you guys. I'm glad to be back. So the NBA playoffs are really interesting. The big story is that Joel Wait a minute. Be- stop right there. The N- Can we just say, no, I can't tell. They're really interesting? Okay. They are. I mean, I'll, I'll, go, I'll go with it. So much it. drama. Mind. So much drama. So the thing that a lot of people are making fun of is Joel Embiid is the MVP, even though a lot of people said that it really should have gone to Nikola Jokic, myself included. And ever since winning the MVP, the Sixers just haven't looked great. The Boston Celtics have their number. The Suns came back against the Nuggets. They had a really good game. Durant and Booker actually played well. 
And the Lakers-Warriors series is living up to the billing. I was a little disappointed because I was watching the game, and I said, oh, you know, LeBron looked really good in the first quarter. Maybe Anthony Davis can get it going. And then all of a sudden, it's the third quarter. The Warriors are up by 30, and, you know, it's curtains. The Knicks play the Heat today. The series is tied at 1-1. to The Knicks are still in it? The Knicks are still in it, and they're looking very good. Uh, Jimmy Butler rolled his ankle, and without him on the floor, it was easy pickings for New York. Uh, And... I mean, besides those series, I mean, nothing else really stand, stood out about the first round. I mean, the first round is well in the past. The Warriors-Lakers is really exciting. The Knicks and the Heat is good because, you know, the, the series is really up for grabs. I think it's anybody's game. I think the Sixers are definitely on the outs. And the Nuggets can still beat the Suns if they keep going and Jamal Murray doesn't wet the bed again. That, that's your brief summary. All right, so now forecast. As this thing goes on, who do you expect to emerge as, in your view, who are who are the top contenders? That's tough. I think Miami, if Jimmy's healthy, Miami can realistically beat the Knicks. But I will say, as a safe bet, the Knicks have a shot to make it past the Heat and into the Eastern Conference Finals. I think the Celtics will beat the Sixers. I think that's pretty simple. So we'll have a Knicks-Celtics-East Finals. And in the West, I think the Nuggets will win. And the Warriors and Lakers, I will say it's 50-50. I'll say the Dubs because they're, they're the defending champs. And of those two series, I think the Celtics will beat the Knicks, and I think the Nuggets will beat the Warriors, Celtics-Nuggets finals, and I think this, the Nuggets will win just because Nikola Jokic is a nat- matchup nightmare. There's nobody on the Celtics that can really guard him 100%, whether he's playing in the post or on the perimeter. They don't have a guy who can do both. So I'm going to tentatively say the Nuggets because I think their team is just really deep and they're really playing well for once. Nikola Jokic has a supporting cast that isn't letting him down consistently. But at the same time, the Suns, if Durant plays how if Durant plays to his potential and Devin Booker plays to his potential, even though they have a thin bench, they could go to the finals and they could realistically beat the Celtics too. May I ask you to do me a favor, please? What, write this down and... No, aside from that, writing this down, no. There was something that I heard, and you know I'm not the biggest sports guy in the world. There's a guy that plays for the Bucks. Giannis. His name to me, what's his name? Is, are you talking about Giannis Antetokounmpo? That must be it, because I can't pronounce his last <laughs> name. And he was asked by a reporter if his season was a failure. Have you seen this video? Yes, I have. And I, I happen to think his answer was very illuminating and was very inspiring. Would he, you do me a favor, please, and just reel that off? Let's not even talk about it further. Would you just see whether you, and I hate to ask you to do work, but you are the guy. <laughs> can you reel that off, and then can we play it in the next hour? Because I very rarely listen to clips. I want people to hear the question and the way that he answered that question. I thought it was one of the most brilliant things I've ever heard. Yes, yeah, so I'll I'll give you the mem- my memory of it, and then we can definitely play it. So he was asked by a reporter because they were eliminated in the first round. It was pretty embarrassing. They actually ended up firing their coach because of how terrible they looked against the Miami Heat, who, to be fair, has always had a good matchup. And the reporter asked Giannis, who was injured as part of the series, do you think the season was a failure? And Giannis right away is like, I've heard this before. You've asked me this question. Then he goes into like, you know, if you didn't get promoted this year, I don't spill that... it. Let's I don't oh. spill the beans. Oh, don't Let's spill the beans. Don't spill the beans. Okay, so... don't spill it. Let's listen to his answer. Okay, and then let's comment after. Just reel that off because 
This blew my mind. His answer to this question. I have the. Okay. I have a. I have a video up now of the answer. If you want me to play it now, or we can get, get the clip and play it later. You do? Okay. Let's let's actually play it. Right, let's, so let's play it. So let's see if this goes over air. Hmm, exactly trying question, something new. But uh, I'm curious for you. Do you view this season as a failure? <sighs> oh my god. Uh... Okay, because I'm not that. Up. We, you asked me the same question last year, Eric. Okay, uh, do you get do you get a promotion every year on your job? No, right. So every year you work is a failure. Yes or no? No. Every every year you work, you work towards something, towards a goal, right? Which is to get a promotion, to be able to uh, take care of your family, to be able I don't know, um, provide the house for them or take care of your parents. You work towards a goal. It's not a failure. It's steps to success. You know, and if you've never, I don't know, I don't want to, I don't want to make it personal. So, there's always steps to it. You know, um, Michael Jordan played 15 years, won six championship. The other nine years was a failure? That's what you're telling me. No, I'm asking you a question. Yes or no? Okay, exactly. So, why are you asking me that question? It's a wrong question. There's no failure in sports. You know, there's good days, bad days. Some days, some days you are able to uh, be successful. Some days you're not. Some days it's your turn. Some days it's not your turn. And that's what sports about. You don't always win. Some other other people's gonna win. And this year, somebody else is gonna win. Similar as that. We're gonna come back next year. Try to be better. Try to build good habits. Try to um, play better. Not have a 10-day stretch with uh, playing bad basketball. You know, and hopefully we can win a championship. So 50 years from 1971 to 2021 that we didn't win a championship, it was 50 years of failures. No, it was not. It was steps to it, you know, and we, we were able to win one. Hopefully we can win another one. You know, I, sorry that I didn't want to make it personal because you asked me the same question last year, and I, last year I was in the, in the uh, right um, mind space to answer the question back, but I remember it. That's the full answer, courtesy of NBC Sports. I loved that answer. No, these are steps to success. 50 years it took us to, to win one, and hopefully we'll get, no, they are steps to success. And I love when he says there are no failures in this, in this arena that he's playing in. There are no failures. Some days it's your day. Some days it's not your day. Some days you win, some days someone else wins. But it's not a failure. That, to me, is... Uh, what is your take? I thought it was profound. I thought it was profound. I thought it was very adroit. And I think there can be success for, let's say, the Heat. The Heat beat the Bucks, But in that sense, the Bucks didn't fail. The Heat just succeeded. You could have success without failure, necessarily. I think what Giannis was really trying to... like The main point for me was that, listen, you may stumble and fall, but it's not about, okay, you didn't accomplish your goal. It's how do we use this experience to take a positive step in the right direction? And I think that's something that his career has really reflected because the Bucks have come close up so many times. They haven't you know made good on it. And then in 2021, it all came together and they won. You can't expect to win it every year, but at the same time, I think his mentality is good that, hey, we might not win it every year, but we'll always be working towards it, and we're never going to look at this year and say, well, you know, this year we messed it up, and that's it. We're going to throw out the blueprint. No, you keep building on the blueprint. Danny, thank you for responding so quickly with that. I thought when I first saw that, I, you know, I rarely watch sports videos, 
But I just thought that that was a life lesson. That answer is a life lesson, regardless of what area of your work you are in, or even work, even your personal life, not to look at setbacks as a failure, but as another step towards success. It reminded me of something that Thomas Edison said. All of the, you know, he had to go through, I think it was over 90 different failures, quote unquote, to get to uh, actually producing the electric bulb. And one of the things he said, each failure is not a failure, it's a step toward the right answer. And I'm paraphrasing. Yeah, it reminds me of uh, Proverbs twenty four sixteen: for a just man falleth seven times and riseth up again, but the wicked shall fall into mischief. It's all a mindset. You know, even if you fall, you know, how do you view the, how do you view the fall? Is it a step in the right direction or do you see it as, you know, it's over? And I don't, I don't think looking at it as it's over is ever the right answer. Danny, thank you so much. Appreciate you. No problem. Yeah, Danny Ducasenzo, my friends, WABC News, and also our resident sports analyst here, Boston Early's Rush Hour. Um, I, I love that quote. I think it was I think it was profound. In fact, I'm gonna play that from time to time. We have a serious problem, my friends, in recruiting. The Navy is not meeting its goals, the Army is not meeting its goals. Have you seen, Scott, have you seen the picture of the digital recruiter that the Navy is using? No, but I read a story about some tranny stuff, but I have not seen this. Tranny? I'm sorry. uh, Transgender. Thank you. Per the New York. Go ahead. According to the New York Times, Tucker Carlson wants to be back on TV before next year. But it won't be so easy. Carlson's contract with Fox does not expire until January 2025. One person with knowledge of Carlson's deal told the Times the former host contract. Hmm. Okay. What happened there? Well, we just got some kind of breaking news. According to the New York Times, Tucker Carlson wants to be back on TV before next year. It won't be so easy. Carlson's contract so Diego, doesn't expire until January Maybe you could pop down the uh, news One booth. person with no- <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I'm wondering why we're hearing the Tucker Carlson thing going on. Sorry about that. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, we got the scoop ahead of everybody. Well, we got the scoop. Tucker wants to be back on, but it's not going to be so easy. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry about that. Okay, now Scott, you haven't seen the picture. I don't. Yeah, I don't know the specifics. I just read that there was something that they were making it into a sexual thing again. They're using a drag queen as a digital ambassador to drive up recruitment. A drag queen, and this has caused an eruption. There's a video of this person, the transgender person, prancing around in something, and it is, it is, it to me, it's almost unbelievable that the United States military has resorted to this as a recruiting technique. One of the members of the SEAL team that killed Bin Laden just went off earlier in the week and said, "I cannot believe that that this." He called it bull, you know, bull blank. That this is how they're doing it. The Navy selected Yeoman Second Class Joshua Kelly to serve as a digital ambassador in 2022. Kelly performs as a drag queen under the name Harpy Daniels. 
And you can find Harpy Daniels videos all over the place. Now, members of the Republican Party are asking the military, what is going on? What's going on? Why are you doing this? And this goes kind of, to me, hand in hand with the, where we open the show, with this woman that is the actress, who's questioning why we're not actually promoting maleness, men, real men. And I don't mean to be, you know, I'm not trying to say that to be, to, to denigrate anybody, but there is this idea in our society of real man, a real man. And there's also the idea that it is real men who used to, not to exclude women, women have always had a role and have had multiple roles in our successes in every conflict that there has been. But in the armed services, it used to be the bedrock of our services were real men who stepped up to the plate. And so my question for you, those of you who are listening, Avery, Scott, weigh in. Are real men a thing of the past? Do you think the idea of a real man, that's over with? There are no more real men. And if you go out touting about real men, now you are some kind of Neanderthal. No, I don't think so. I think um, you're just not seeing it in the media. I think that there's plenty of room for masculinity in society. You're just uh, bashed over the head if you exercise it right now. But I think it's a temporary, it's a, it's a moment in time, as as. Well, Ka- let me Kamala ask you a question. Say. Let me ask you a question. For kids, do you think that kids are growing up with the idea that being a real man is a cool thing? In San Francisco, no. I think in the in the more conservative areas, they absolutely are. Um, I think the military should be advertising military stuff. I mean, I, I, if, if you want to, recruit. do you think the Chinese are re- trying no. to recruit for their military using drag? Absolutely queens? not. But we shouldn't even be going down that road. Period. You don't need to talk about why is everything about sex. Who? cares why does every single thing we do every waking moment has to be about somebody's sexual preference oh, no. and how they identify yeah I who kind of, cares i kind of agree with scott on this one i don't really care <laughs> all right but how about the idea of real man do you let me ask you do you see yourself as a quote-unquote real man and if you do what does it mean to be a real man a re- real man yeah, what is let it? Me feel, to, let me, let is me it? grab this real quick and then we'll okay, go, go back to Diego. Go it, Just because I've been it. watching a lot of Magnum PI. I've been watching a Magnum lot of Magnum PI. Yes. And Tom Selleck is a real man. That's a real man right there. Am I like Tom Selleck? No. And it, it's an interesting thing, too. Get, like, guys looked, people that are younger than me looked older in the 80s. But I don't know what that means. I don't know if that's just like the way you perceive it or whatever, but like, the guy, you know, he's just dripping with masculinity. I wouldn't even know how to do that. I would love to do that. I don't know how to do that. How do you? I, I would love to, to 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 convey that 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 testosterone that you get out of out of uh, Tom Selleck. All right, we're going to continue this. 
real man when we come back. Who's a real man? What's a real man? A real man even necessary anymore? Seal. On WABC, don't go away. You became the light on the dark side of me. Love remains a drug that's high enough to feel. But did you know that when it snows, my eyes become large and the light that you shine can't be seen? This is the Saturday Morning Radio Extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. Chicago. From the Chicago Transit Authority album, their first one... Name of the track? I'm a man. They like long intros. They like to build them up. Yes, I'm a man. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. A real, it's kind of a Popeye kind of, you know, chorus. WABC Talk Radio 77, our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Okay, Avery, I know you're screening calls, but I got to ask you your turn up. Do a real, what's a real man to you, Avery? And are you a real man? And are real men even necessary? Pick your pick your question of the bunch. All right. Um, well, first of all, the song we came back with is better than the song we left with for the subject matter. <laughs> That's number one. I want a real man. Holy rags on seal. I want a real <laughs> man. I want a real man. Kids from a rose. No, yeah, that, 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 that's, that's not the... But anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> answering the other thing. Uh, I, I think everybody's a real man, like, to themselves. I mean, you say you want to. Uh, what does that mean? You want to define a real man as your father, or like all all your um, examples growing up. But I mean, what's a real man? A real man is somebody who takes care of his family, who can protect himself, and not so much. Uh, you know, you you can't help with what physical ailments or whatever you're born with, but not scared to run to the roar. You know. Like when, when, like in a, in a pride of lions, when the lion gets old, they stick him out front because he still can roar, and he might scare off other other lions that want to that want to come on. Like so, on the subway. Yeah. So, <laughs> so you have to learn to run to the roar because you know your problems are not always as big as they seem. So somebody that does that, somebody that demands respect and gives respect, like it's it's the the goalposts. It's changing as far as sexuality and all that. But, again, if you are respected and you give respect, then I think that's the definition of a man. All right, Diego. Yes. What's a real man? Are you a real man? What, what's, 
What's manly? What's a manly man? Who's a real man? A manly man. Well, when I come when I when I think about men, I think of sports. That's a that's about it. No, but um, I don't know. That's I, about it. No. Not even when, the guys in the military. Well, these right? days, the guys oh, in the yeah, military. Fight. Well, I address. guess fighting and violence. But I think I think the main thing, because um, I'm on Twitter a lot, and there's a lot of stuff on Twitter that um, toxic ma- masculinity. You know, like um, I think I think the thing that is going around going around about getting rid of quote unquote real men is the, is the violence and the the thick headedness, knuckle headedness, whatever you want to call it, that comes with it. You know, uh, I think this the stigma uh, stereotype or whatever that comes w- with being a man is that you're always you're always looking for a fight. You know, what what are you looking at? You know, when you're out of the subway um, or or in public or whatever. I don't. Uh, All right. I don't, so let me. Let, let, OK, no, 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 okay, no. Let okay. me go with this for a minute. OK, so you put yourself in a situation that this guy was in this Marine. This Marine, a, a member of the military on a subway. And all of a sudden, some what? Who side? And all of a sudden, I mean, it was Avery. And all of a sudden, you got some guy what who who pops up, who starts making a commotion, and other passengers feel threatened. So this guy uh, goes in and says, "Okay, I'm going to put a stop to this. I'm going to restrain this guy." Now this ended up badly for the guy, who, as we learned. 44 different arrests, was schizophrenic, autistic, really mental health problems. But but the fact of the matter was he was acting out and he was threatening and somebody stepped up to the plate, a manly man. Now, is this guy wrong to step up to the plate? What happens if there are no men? What happens in situations where a man doesn't, isn't there to step up to the plate? Do you, right, does it have to be like if if say the person who restrained him was a woman? What what would you say to that? Does it ha- like she's a manly woman? She's a manly woman. Okay, okay. Well, I wouldn't have done because most of the time, most and look, and I'm not trying to you know maybe you think this is sexist, but most of the time we wouldn't expect a woman to step up to the plate. We would expect we would expect a man to step up to the plate and do something about it. I agree. With do that. we not? I, I agree with that. But uh... what kind of society says we got a problem here? Let's wait for the girls to fix it. No, no, no. I mean, I'm I... sorry. That sounds totally sexist. I know. But we have a problem here that requires a physical solution. Somebody's got to step up to the plate and take this guy down. Did do we it though? Expect Did that it... of a woman. Yeah, I understand that, Bo, but man, I, I know some chicks that'll drag you all around the room. <laughs> <laughs> I've met her. Yeah. And she did it. Yeah. No, no, no. So is, is, is that the definition? Like Okay. When it comes to when it comes to stepping up, yes, of course I would have, but I would have talked to him first. Um, I would have. Oh, come uh, on, Diego. Seriously? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm that kind of person. I would have been like, yeah, okay, yeah, okay, yeah. okay. Before this gets physical, okay. like, what's, like, like, I got a, like, okay, I got so a bag of chips. Dead. You can have him. <laughs> but he was. But until the until it gets to that point, to the physical point, I'm gonna do whatever I can to avoid that. Yeah, you know, I, I know you don't like sports, but in um, 
I watch a lot of soccer, and they fight in soccer a lot. Because um, they're men. And then when women's soccer, they fight too. But um, because they're manly women. <laughs> but there's always there's there's the two players going at it. But there's always a third player that's trying to calm them down, getting in between them. Okay, okay, wait, let's let's talk. Let's not like you know. I kind of back when I played, I was that I was that player. I was like, okay, you know, like let's like let let's calm down. Let's not be physical. I, you I were just, the peace loving man, but yeah. see, it also yeah. takes courage. But it takes courage to try to intervene yes. when other people are being violent. That takes its own brand of manly courage, too. That, okay. See, that, you weren't it, sitting on the sidelines. Go ahead, mm-hmm. Avery. That's what I'm saying. Like, Diego's a hippie. So, <laughs> so you got... <laughs> So then, what you got two different types of men. Like, so to be a man, you don't lead with violence, but violence has to be on the table. Violence is on the table. Violence has to be <laughs> on the, the table. It's the subway. As soon as, as soon as, as, as the punch hits my face, uh, it's, it's, it's all over. It's I'm, over. Get, I'm getting. No, I. <laughs> I worded that. Uh, I worded Diego's that getting ready to. Diego's getting ready to lay it down. Okay, we're all good till the punch hits my face. Then after that. Then after that, it's and it's just, my just, constitutional right just to. Hope the guy can't fight too good to knock you out on the first punch. Yeah. <laughs> no, but yeah, it, it's it's. Uh, we have a, we have a new guy that's training with us today. I'm sorry, yes. I forgot you. What's your name? You a question for me? Yeah, yeah, go for it. Yeah, I got a question for you. What's up, Buff? Okay. Yeah, so what's your name, first of all? Introduce yourself. My name's uh, Nick. What you want to talk about? Nick is training, folks. That's, that's Nick, right. Manly man. Are you a manly man? What's what's a man? What is a real man? He's got a hell of a mustache. I appreciate it. You know, you were talking about Tom Selleck earlier, and I think I kind of channeled that a little Hold bit. On. But um, in terms of what, you know, a real man is, and if I am one, you know, I think a real man is someone who takes their strengths and uses them to build other people up, whether that's your family, your colleagues, peers, you know, just doing right by other people is probably the most manly thing you can do. And I don't know if that, you know, a 15-minute chokehold of death is probably the best thing you could do to someone who's acting up on the subway. But, you know, obviously force is required in some scenarios, but maybe not 15 minutes of a chokehold. I'm not a Marine. I'm not a cop. But I know that you only need about 15 seconds for an appropriate chokehold. That's all mm, I got to say. Okay. Yeah, that's big. That was pretty profound, though, right? What he said about a really man, about a man. All right, hold on. Okay. Hold on. The audience wants to weigh in, too, so we're going to get thank you. And those of you listening, I would love to know what you think about what a real man is. And are men becoming a thing of the past, at least in America? I guarantee you this. I guarantee you that if you go to Germany, who was reconstituting slowly but surely, slowly but surely, reconstituting their military. I guarantee you they don't have drag performers recruiting. I guarantee you in I Russia. I so sure about Well, Germany. maybe you got a point. I guarantee you in Russia. Yeah. You, your friends, the Russians. I've seen the ads. I don't know if you've seen the ads, but I get, I, they are not putting transvestites in the ads. Okay, in Russia, they are not using no. They're they, drag queens. Their 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 military commercials are badass. Yeah. Okay, I guarantee you that in China, they are not using drag queens to say, "Come join the force," and let's go. Well, dance. They're probably not advertising. They're just like you're in the military now. Yeah. Let's in not. Fairness. Let's go. Let's go do a drag dance to our way to world domination. See, I I I don't really. 
I don't really care what they wear. I just care about their ability to end lives. Ooh. Oh, now, was the, was the was the transvestite oh. doing any sort of fighting in the commercial? I haven't seen no. that. I haven't seen those ads. I, don't, I, haven't, I haven't seen those ads. But. Well, go look him up or go Google this guy. There's running around. There's the digital ambassador for the Navy. Okay. I mean, I, I mean, it looks like something out of something that YMCA guys would have come up with <laughs> in the Navy. It looks like one of those things in the Navy. You know, but I'm and I'm serious about this. I'm not trying to denigrate anybody. You know that I have. Respect for people that are transgendered. I'm not one of these people trying to bash transgendered people. But at the same time, we have a military. Rush used to say, the purpose of the military is to break things and kill people. That is the purpose of the military. Yes. And we cannot get sidetracked in all these social experiments. That's what Rush used to say. Was he right? James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley, is WABC, Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Your calls are coming up. Don't go away. The Saturday morning radio extravaganza is in your ears. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurley, on 77 WABC. Oh, yeah, baby, I'm up. Midway through, every week. Spyro Gyro. You ever play a steel drum, Bo? No, I've never played the steel drums, but let me tell you, I love the steel drums. Have you? I have not. My wife just always tells me how easy it is. Really? Yeah. You know, Jolene needs to come here one day. We need to ask her to bring a steel drum. She's never played a steel drum. Oh, but she knows it's she, easy. She just tells me it's very easy. Really? I don't know. I don't know if playing any instrument is easy. Anyway, this is where I get up and encourage you to do the same. Halfway through, morning dance. Love the morning dance on Saturday mornings here. WABC Talk Radio 77. We're going to go to the telephones. Let's start with a female perspective from Isabel in Long Island. Isabel, what makes a real man to you? As, as a mother of four sons, a real man steps up to the challenge, does not back down when he sees the challenge, supports his family, leads a family, is, is not afraid to go out and even help someone. It's very easy to define a man. And yes, and I tell my sons, listen, I'm not a feminist. I'm all about supporting men because it's not easy to be a man. So they, so therefore, as a mother of four sons from the age of 42 to 25, I, I want my sons to be supportive, to, to lead, and not be afraid to, you know, to rise up to the challenge, and that's exactly what I taught them. And, and I want to tell you something about the military. The military is not supposed to get involved in any type of culture issue. How serious is the military or the Navy taking the threats of China and Russia if they actually having a trans, you know, um, you know, transgender person, you know, recruiting? That's, you're not taking serious. They're not taking seriously the, the issue at hand. China is on the move everywhere. And you're going to have a transgender to recruit 
you know, young guys to come into the military? Come on. Somebody's asleep at the wheel. Really. It is just so sad. And about the young man in the subway, I ride the subway. And let me tell you, it is very frightening to have to be in a car with a uh, deranged homeless person and there's no one around. If nobody had did anything that day, that we would be saying, oh, my gosh, nobody stepped up to the plate. But when somebody does, we're going to crucify him. It took 15 minutes for the cops to get there because the cops, are, you know, are, are over the understaffed and they're, they're, there's no cops. There. I've been on the subway and I told my sons, where are the transit cops? There are no cops around. It should never have taken 15 minutes for the cops to have responded to that scene. Never. Isabel, thank you so much. Appreciate your call. Appreciate your contribution. Let's go to Manhattan. Leo, you're on WABC Talk Radio 77. It's our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Welcome, Leo. Good morning, James. Uh, Please, I have a comment for both, for the transgender in the military, for the real man. Uh, I would like to say the real man is not really uh, much characterized by some success with the women. It's more... In direction of the military, it's more, for example, how you can deal with uh, being exposed to the to the death. Kill and live with that as you kill somebody. More than more than how many women are attracted to you, uh, James. The more our military is gonna be woke, the less real men we're gonna be able to hire in military, and the more of the real men's gonna leave. And the real man is a uh, if there's a 10 soldiers and nine of them says it's impossible, give up, he's the 10th one. The real man in, in, the, in the police is the one when there's a 30 guys in the hallway and they know that somebody made the wrong decision. Two guys whisper to each other in the ear. It didn't happen, unfortunately. They grab the shield and they just risking their job, the career, but they know that's the right thing to do to run into that classmate, risk their life and their child, but saving kids. That's a real man. And we're going to have less and less of them because these guys are on the other side of the spectrum and they cannot stand the disgrace of some drug queen in the military. And I know there's one more point. I don't know if you remember, about a few months there was a case where son of police officer New on the job, he was exposed. Uh, I don't think even he shot. I think his partner shot somebody, and he just could not live with that. But he was hiding it because he didn't want to embarrass his father and everybody, and he committed suicide. That could be the problem of these people, drug queen and so and so. They're not inside as strong. They're much more feminine. But Biden and these people is going to make a poster child from them they're not going to be willing to admit, like, uh, we cannot deal with this uh, and back up. But maybe we're going to have problems of them. You know how... how, how well, it'll be... Leo, I'll tell you, you what. It'll uh, be interesting. It'll be interesting, Leo, to see how all this plays out. Because uh, there were already ex-members of the military speaking out. And they're speaking out very vociferously and saying this is not the way to recruit the kind of people we need in our military to achieve victory. And ultimately, what you're recruiting for the military is to take on other militaries. 
They're not just sitting there as some pastime. The goal, the objective is to be ready to defend with their lives this country. Now, all that said, all that said, I remember something that when the debate on same sex in the military came up, I remember watching the Senate hearings, um, watching a Senate, not a hearing. I was, it was the floor of the Senate and Ron Wyden was making a speech. And one of the points that Ron Wyden made was it doesn't matter who you love if you love your country. And people that love their country should not be prohibited from serving their country because they happen to love someone of the same sex. Now, I mean, that makes sense. It makes sense. Okay, I get that. And I thought that that was a really uh, a very profound argument back then. Because you love someone doesn't mean that you shouldn't be allowed to serve the country that you love. That is not what I see happening now. Now I see the military being used as a way for people to get a very expensive gender reassignment because that is expensive. So now if we can transfer the cost of that over to the military, there are people who are interested in doing it. That's the easiest way to avoid the expense of a gender reassignment surgery. And I wonder if that's playing a role. This idea that we can go on parading our sexuality in front of the world That's not, that shouldn't be first and foremost what it takes to be in the military. Again, I, I am trying to walk a real careful line here because I'm not about hate, folks. And I don't, you know, I'm not about trying to hate transgender people or anybody else. But what is the role of the military? And to me, the military does require a certain type of individual if we're going to have an effective fighting force. We're going to take a break. WABC Talk Radio 77 coming back. More of your calls coming up. 800-848-WABC. Next hour, America's Small Caffeinated Mom coming up as well. Keep it right here on WABC. It's the Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. Boy, all kind of things get on the air here. <laughs> ACDC. Got newscasts coming in the middle of the show. Private conversations. I'm glad I didn't curse. 
So how much are you going to be paying, Avery? I'm not going to say on the air. <laughs> well, you just said everything else. Well, I didn't mean to say it. <laughs> I mean, I'm asking, okay, the secret's out. I might as well spill the beans. Thanks, Diego. What I I'm do? Asking, Thanks, Diego. You asking him wasn't on the air. Him responding was on the air. Well, then never mind. <laughs> never I mind. I didn't even hear him respond. Okay, never mind. Let's just go. Let's get back to back to black. What happened to the music? ACDC. Hey, you trying too hard with this music now. You went from kids, you went from um, seal to this. Hey, let me tell you something. I saw Back to Black in London this year. I saw ACDC. Is it Back in Black? Back in it Black. Is black. Yeah, in yeah, black. yeah, whatever. I don't care. I call it Back to Black because you know what? I'm black and I can do that. I'm putting the Don Lemon on you here. And you ain't black, so you don't have no need to say. When I say black, you don't have nothing to say, all right? That's my Don Lemon imitation. <laughs> I saw Avery. I saw these guys in London. I have never seen Avery. I have seen so many concerts in my life that I can't even count them. I have never seen. These guys rocked Wembley Stadium so hard. It was insane. And so I'm not trying too hard with some ACDC. Pump that up, man. All right, man. (laughs) If you had been there, you would say the same thing I'm saying. This group, and there were some incredible groups on the venue. They killed it. First time my dad heard ACDC, he's like, yeah, I really like their music, but why do they have that Donald Duck guy singing? <laughs> How'd you like Wembley? Was it uh, was it good? I've never been there. I've been to Wembley. Yeah, I've been to Wembley before. I'll tell you the thing that makes it for me about Wembley. It is, and this time, the first time I was in Wembley, I was just in the, um, you know, with the spectators and whatever. This time I got a chance to go backstage and under the stage and all of that stuff. I have that stadium is so huge. I mean, when you're sitting somewhere that actually the seating capacity is a hundred thousand people, one hundred about a hundred thousand people, and there are a hundred thousand people there. It. Is and then you you're going through the uh, you've been backstage of course on many many shows, I've never seen anything like the backstage of this, and the way that they were staging it. It is, it's mind boggling, it's mind boggling. Uh, the it, it was like miles of cabling, I'm serious, miles of cabling. The understage was its own show, because they were streaming and you had an entire like broadcast network sitting under the stage. And then they had two side stages that had three different levels to the side stages where you could watch, but also they had cameras 
that were um, 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 automatic, that were run electronically to rise and to lower. It was, an, it was a technological feast like I have never seen. I was just, the performances were amazing, but the actual behind-the-scenes stuff there at Wembley was just, you could do a show, a documentary, about just what it took to pull that show off. And it was amazing. Now imagine that, but in 1985 with Live Aid. I can't. Yeah, like in that See, time. <laughs> yeah. I that know. must have been sick. <laughs> and that's oh, right. Yeah. They do have a documentary on the making of Live Aid, actually. They use the rotating stage and the, 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 the weeks leading up to it, and I watched it all. It was, it was, it was amazing how they did it. Yeah. Yeah, but Wembley was just, it's just beautiful. You know, and I love London. I love going over to London, but I wouldn't want to be there for the coronation today, but I like London. It's just so expensive in London. It's even worse than it is here, you know. Okay, let's head back to the telephones. Rick in Mount Vernon, you're up next. Thank you for waiting, Rick. Oh, it's such a privilege uh, to speak to you because, you know, you just carry on a legacy that, you know, it's just, you know, it's just, uh, it could have gone to a better guy than you, Glo. Got to tell you, could have gone to a better guy. I appreciate that. So what's on your mind this morning, Rick? No, I'm just I'm thinking about all these people out there that, you know, want to step in, that never stepped in. And it's like I'm watching uh, that lady who lost her eye, and I'm watching that guy that comes over. He steps in for a little bit, and then he takes off. And it's like I'm thinking to myself, hey, what if that guy was that Marine? That lady probably would have never lost her eye, you know? I'm just yep. saying. Yep. Thank you, Rick. And this is the thing. You know, we can all we can all sit on the sidelines and like AOC and Ariana Presley and all they're doing, they're calling him a murderer, they're saying he lynched this guy and all this stuff. He stepped up when he saw something. And I don't know, they don't acknowledge that at all. Fred in Manhattan, how are you, Fred? I'm good. I'm good. Um I heard some fake news uh from the guy was sitting beside you a little while ago. Um, There's confusion on these numbers. Uh, The guy sitting beside you, the new guy, was talking about the Marine had the uh, this fellow in a a chokehold for 15 minutes. Give me a break. There's no 15 minutes there. O'Reilly checked the time on this. He said it was three minutes. I believe O'Reilly. I can't imagine someone compressing in that way for 15 minutes. A woman called up before me and mentioned that the cops took 15 minutes to get there. Maybe they're screwing up numbers. I've heard this elsewhere, too, also. That he held well, look, it is being reported, it is being reported largely before we accuse people of screwing it up. People, it has been reported in numerous news stories that he was restrained for 15 minutes. Now, I don't know where Bill O'Reilly gets his information from or got his information from, and I'm certainly not trying to, uh, 
to cast any doubt on what Mr. O'Reilly says. Maybe Mr. O'Reilly has some information that everyone else doesn't have. Uh, Danny just came in and confirmed that it was, in fact, 15 minutes that he was being restrained. Danny? Danny, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Okay, what's the scoop with this, Danny? Every source I'm looking at, and I actually, for my other job, I wrote a whole story on this, and it was 15 minutes that he was restrained. But was he in the chokehold for 15 minutes? That's what they. That's what everything's saying. He was in a chokehold for about 15 minutes. And that's what I've been reading, too. That's what almost every... So I don't know where Bill Riley's getting his information on this. New York Times, Washington Post, ABC, NBC, everything says in a chokehold for about 15 minutes. Now, of course, these are mainstream media sources, so some of us look at them with a skeptical eye. But even sources that are not mainstream that are reporting on the story... Fox News, 15 minutes. ...seem to say that he was in a chokehold for 15 minutes. Maybe we need to... Yahoo, TMZ... I just control searched 15 minutes, chokehold subway. I get 15 minutes, 15 minutes, 15 minutes. Thank you, Danny. So before we start saying that people are wrong, maybe we should investigate the facts, eh? James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley on WABC Talk Radio 77. It is our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. And again, if Bill O'Reilly has some different information, I'd like to know what it is. Well, let's watch the video. Is the so video we'll, yeah, we'll find is it. Is it out there? I don't know whether the full video's out there. We'll be back with our number three of the Saturday morning radio extravaganza right after this. Don't go away. It's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC, the crown jewel of American radio. Welcome, my friends, to the third hour of our three-hour radio extravaganza this Saturday morning, 800-848-WABC, the number to call. And we're glad you're here. Time flies so quickly. America's small caffeinated mom will be joining us this hour. Uh, We have some reparation news uh, today. So we might as well get right to it, eh? A Denver councilwoman has sparked a fierce debate after suggesting that white-owned businesses should be forced to pay an additional tax, which would be given the tax that white people that own businesses would have to pay to the owners of minority businesses. Now, I kind of like this idea. I'm just kidding. I kind of like this idea because I can't wait to see the day that, let's say, this little, you know, somebody that has a white-owned business out there like a, you know, I don't care, hairdresser, let's say, and she has to pay money and an additional tax and then we give the money to, like, some black millionaire who has a business that's really doing well for reparations. Yeah, that'll really, you know. Or some white hairdresser who has a business has to pay a tax, and they give the money to somebody that has a black hairdressing business. 
That'll fix things. Candy, and I don't know how to pronounce this woman's last name. It's spelled C-D-E, capital C-D-E, capital Sidbaka. It almost sounds like Chewbacca, but Sidbaka. She's a 37-year-old Democrat socialist. She told a business forum on, in Denver on Thursday that more has to be done in order to provide reparations. She said capitalism was built on stolen land, stolen labors, and stolen resources. You could be collecting those extra taxes from white-led businesses all over the city and redistributing them to black and brown-owned businesses. Yeah. So that's the solution coming out of Denver. Let's tax the white businesses more and give the money to black businesses. Scott, do you think we're ever going to really see reparations payments being made? I just don't think that that works out very well. I think in Zimbabwe, when we... We? uh, I I didn't have a damn thing to do with what happened in... We? Yo, leave me out of that. Humanity decided that the white farmers... No, it wasn't humanity. It was there anymore. It was the leader of Zimbabwe, the dictator Robert Mugabe, who did that. It didn't work. And I think everybody can take a lesson from that. Now, let's go back to visit Zimbabwe since you bring it up. The former Rhodesia, which was renamed Zimbabwe because it made everybody feel good. So what happened after Mugabe came to power, they, his government, told white farmers, y'all stole the land, y'all have the land, we're going to take it back. And so they did. So in Zimbabwe, formerly Rhodesia, there was a massive redistribution. There was reparations. White folks that owned farms all of a sudden were thrown off their farms, and their farms were given to black people for reparations. Does anybody remember what happened? I feel like there might have been a famine of some sort. You're headed in the right direction there, buddy. Oh, the uh, the inflation, the superinflation. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not only hyperinflation. Rhodesia, back when it was a British colony, you know, those evil, and, and look, I am not for the, as as some of my friends that are on the left call them, the colonizers. But Zimbabwe went from being the quote-unquote bread basket of the African continent to damn near starvation. The farms were transferred over to black people who, because of the circumstances in the country, had no institutional knowledge of how to run farms, large agricultural farms. And as a result of this massive societal shift, 
Zimbabwe went from a rich nation, the breadbasket of the continent, to a poor nation with massive hyperinflation and a nation that could no longer feed itself. All in the name of reparations. Do you think, Diego, that we're ever going to see reparations here in the United States of America? Nah. Uh, but before before we get to that, what year was this uh, Zimbabwe business? This was like, I don't even remember the exact year. We can go Google it. Yeah. I'm just this curious. happened shortly after they claimed independence and from Britain. Mm. Okay, then you had Mugabe. And Mugabe turned out to be one of the more ruthless thugs. See, there's a problem in Africa with some of these thug dictators, but nobody we're not allowed to talk about that. So I can talk about it, but I am not particularly well. I'm not as knowledgeable about it as I should, to be honest with you. I'll have to do some reading myself. But they have in recent years been giving white farmers great incentives to come back, correct? To come back and grow like, yeah. I mean, somebody please help us here. Avery, do you think reparations are ever going to happen widespread across the United States of America? Uh, I don't think it's um, I don't think it's a realistic financially. See all these. See, okay, so you got these people in California. Now in California, the bill has gone up. It, they started out with something like, I forgot how many billion dollars, but now it's gone up exponentially. They're starting talks in St. Louis. Now you got this woman in Denver saying we need to tax white business owners and give the money to blacks, business owners. I love this stuff because I think that what liberals are doing here is amazing. They are, they are actually souping people up. You have so many people now that think that they're going to stick out their hand and somebody's going to put these millions of dollars in their hands simply because they were born in America and they happen to be black. So they're walking around, yeah, baby, our day's coming. Our ship's going to be sailing in the port soon. We're going to be rich. We don't have to work for it. We don't have to earn it ourselves. Someone's going to, it's lottery on steroids. Somebody's going to come and dump a pile of money in my hand because we don't like white people, and white people are the reason that we're not doing well, which is a, okay. So the more and more people that buy this nonsense, that they're going to get paid off from what happened in the past. When this doesn't materialize, because it is not going to materialize, there's no, they San Francisco cannot afford to do this. California cannot afford to do this. Denver cannot afford to do this. St. Louis cannot afford to do this. New York cannot afford to do this. And you figure... There's nowhere in the United States that can afford this. Yeah, Avery? You figure it has to be a big amount of money. Like, it can't be like a stimulus check. Because then what was it all for? Like exactly, it can't be another twelve. And we're not even talking about stimulus tax. No, we're talking. These people want to give millions every single black person millions yeah. of dollars. Like it has millions to be millions of dollars. You have to go. You have to right. ask for that, or you, you can't ask for a small amount. This is like you're selling your heritage out for six hundred dollars. So I don't exactly. Yeah. So 
So they can't afford this. So I love this. I want them to keep on with this. I want them to keep raising people's expectations. I want these liberals to keep saying, yep, we're going to get you $5 million. Nope, that's not enough. We should be more than that. Okay, $10 million. Well, that's still not enough. Okay, I want them to keep doing this. I want the expectations raised in every single blue city in America. Let's encourage these discussions to continue. Let's encourage these liberals to keep spending money that is never going to exist in reparations because there will come a day of reckoning. And I think the politicians will probably just use it to get into office. Like, it's a good thing to run on. That's but true. There will, but there will be a day of reckoning. Yeah, there's going to be some reckoning. <laughs> the reckoning is that, uh, come on, Avery, you know at some point people are going to ask a simple question. Where my money? Where my money at? I, where yeah, my money? I, I'll be in office already. <laughs> where my where my money? I'll pass the buck to Senator Washington. <laughs> nah, it, it ain't like that, yo. Nah, y'all been talking this for fifteen years. Where my money? If it was up to me, y'all have y'all check. <laughs> uh huh. Uh huh. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying, people. I'll be in every church, every every community center. I'm trying. <laughs> You're not good enough. Yeah. What happens when some when you what, what happens when somebody owes you money and they keep saying I'm trying to get it to you? You can fall for that maybe once or twice, but after that you're not falling for it. I understand. I understand what you're saying. There's going to be a day of reckoning. As, as what did Derek say? He said it was the Reverend Jeremiah Wright who said the chickens coming home to roost. Actually. The first time that that was used in politics was in 1960s when Malcolm X said that about John Kennedy, and everybody had a cow. That was Malcolm X, the chickens coming home to roost. Well, guess what? There will be a day where all this reparations talk, oh, yeah, let's tax the white businesses and give the money to black people. Black business. There's going to be a day when these chickens come home to roost, and it's going to be a funky time at the OK Corral. Because this is not going to go well. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley here, WABC Talk Radio 77. Coming back, more of your calls coming up. Do not go away. The Saturday Morning Radio Extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. It's Saturday morning. It's WABC Talk Radio 77 in New York. It's you. It's me. And it's marvelous Marvin Gaye. Oh, baby, please turn yourself for love. Oh, baby, so I can love you good. Oh, baby, I'll make you feel so good. Oh, sugar, just like you want me to. Oh, baby, you show sure love me more. Two parents in Baltimore, these are heroes to me. 
These are heroes. A hero alert. Two parents in Baltimore are suing. They're suing officials. They're accusing the officials who run the public schools in Baltimore of misusing taxpayer funds, of falsifying records, and they're suing them for failing to educate students. Two parents have stood up. A father of two young children hopes his lawsuit will lead to more transparency and improve student outcomes in Baltimore's embattled public school system. He says, I'm funding, I'm all for funding schools. Giovanni Patterson is his name. However, he says, you don't just keep giving money without investigation on where the money has gone, especially with the amount of corruption and misuse of funds that have taken place for years in Baltimore. He and his wife allege that in Baltimore school system, taxpayer funds have been misused. They report ghost students, that means children not actually enrolled in school in order to get more funding. They falsify pupils' records to push failing students through to graduation and more. The suit names the Baltimore City School Board of Commissioners, the City Council, and the mayor of Baltimore, Brandon Scott, as defendants. It's all about power and control. He says there is a lot of money in education. That's $1.62 billion a year that's spent in Baltimore, to be exact. Baltimore has the fourth highest funded large school system in America. And yet, they, they're spending in Baltimore. They're spending over $21,000 a year per student. But yet, Baltimore has the lowest graduation rate across Maryland. At one high school, at one please listen to this carefully. At one high school in Baltimore, 77% of the students read at elementary or kindergarten level. At one high school in Baltimore, 77% of students are able to read at kindergarten level or elementary school level. And this one parent, finally, some parents are stepping up and they're suing. What are you people doing to our children? This guy and his wife are heroes. I want to follow this. Hey, Lisa, let's try to get this guy on. The story is at Fox News today. We're probably going to do that story to Daily BS too. By the way, I do a, a news. Um, I do a news. Uh, Blast that goes twice a day, every day of the week. It's called the dailybs.com. And you find a lot of stories there, like this one from the dailybs.com. Chip Roy, our friend in Congress, Chip Roy, has introduced a bill to crack down on illegal immigrants that are voting in United States elections. 
you say that doesn't happen. Oh, yes, it does. The Protecting American Voters Act, co-sponsored by Republican representatives Matt Rosedale in Montana, Pete Sessions of Texas, Michael Burgess of Texas, and Chip Roy, demands that verified citizenship be take. You have to verify citizenship before votes are cast. Sounds simple. This is long overdue. The bill also requires federal agencies to provide information upon the state's request free of fees from the United States Citizen and Immigration Services system that confirms who is a naturalized citizen and who isn't. We'll see how far that goes. From thehill.com. Democrats are on, you know how they got, you know how you got these uh, Soros-appointed prosecutors all over the country? Well, now Democrats are aiming to get take control of state Supreme Courts. So Soros and his bunch of liberal groups did manage to get district attorneys, and also they, they, they uh, tried to elect, and they did secretaries of states across the country. Now they're setting their sights on elected members of state Supreme Courts. These people are high. Yes, Lisa, we should get chipped next week. These people are highly organized. Highly organized. And if Republicans don't match this, we're going to see state Supreme Courts now in the crosshairs. Just like right on, because they told us what they were doing, and, and Republicans didn't do anything. They told us, oh, yeah, we're going to elect secretaries of state. Oh, yeah, we're going to elect prosecutors. And they did it. Now here's the next red flag warning. We're going to take over there saying state Supreme Courts. You have been warned. Jeffrey Tubin is now lecturing that we need more ethics, more ethics regulations. He's specifically talking about Clarence Thomas. You know, they, they continue to try to smear Justice Thomas and his wife by claiming they're corrupt when Clarence Thomas has done absolutely Nothing wrong here. And certainly nothing that other justices on the Supreme Court have not done by way of having friends that in some cases pay for their travel and go to different places when they go to different places. People who do not have business before the court. Do you remember who Jeffrey Tubin is? He's... Uh, 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 Scott? No, I don't. I don't. Well, maybe you'll remember this. Jeffrey Tubin is CNN's legal analyst who was suspended from the New Yorker after it was revealed that he was exposing himself and masturbating 
himself during a Zoom meeting back in 2020. He says he made an embarrassingly stupid mistake, believing he was off camera. <laughs> Simple mistake. Simple mistake when he was choking the monkey, but he, he, uh, so yeah. if, he was, if he was off camera, it would have been okay. Yeah, if it was off camera, <laughs> when he was... <laughs> what a dumb thing to say. Yeah, he was, yeah, doing that, doing the Zoom meeting. I mean, that must have been a heck of a meeting if you were on the other end looking at that. But anyway. Or just a boring meeting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a, you know, I'm a multitask. Forget this. <laughs> and this, this, this speaker is not is not he's not holding my attention. <laughs> was he well, doing it while he was talking, or while other people were? Talking? I have well, never pressed for the. If he did it while he was talking, I mean, come on, now, you you got to commend that. <laughs> See, I don't. I I try to avoid these kind of stories, but. <laughs> Did you see did you see the story the other day about this was in all this was in all the places there was uh okay I'm going to have you google the story Scott and then you'll do it I'll have you google it during the break I'm not even going to try to frightening me I'm not even going to try to describe this story cuz I cannot do it justice So we'll do that we'll take a break Is the caffeinated mom on today? She is. Okay. It's Diana it's Diana Ross. Of your desires, one guarantee, you always have me. One of these old days. Are you recruiting for the military? Oh, I better stop. That used to show us so tenderly. Just remember. What I told you the day I set you free. Hey, the guy in the Zoom meeting had his plan in the background. <laughs> I'm telling you, right? <laughs> I can do it. <laughs> Say it again, Diana. Oh, baby, I needed that. That was Diana. That's Diana Ross, James Golden, aka Ace Thurley, on Saturday morning. Oh. Oh. Radio extravaganza. Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. Scott. This is beautiful. Scott found this story, ladies and gentlemen. The ground really moved for one woman during the second movement of the L.A. Philharmonic's performance of Tchaikovsky's Fifth Symphony when she experienced a loud and full-body orgasm. Several concert goers described the woman's climactic moment Friday from the balcony at the packed Walt Disney Concert Hall. Figures it was Disney. (laughs) (laughs) 
everyone kind of turned to see what was happening, Molly Grant said, who was sitting near the overjoyed woman, told the Los Angeles Times on Sunday. I saw the girl after it happened, and I assumed that she had an orgasm because she was heavily breathing, and her partner was smiling and looking at her, like in, in an effort to not shame her, she, she said. It was quite beautiful, Grant added. We don't have any audio of that, do we? No, we don't have the audio, but if you want to, if you want to, you know, you were pretty good with that whole Bee Gees Milwaukee thing. Let me have a sip of Bud Bud Light. (laughs) I'll get it high in Milwaukee. (laughs) So, imagine just being at the concert and you're there enjoying this beautiful, almost pastoral, wonderful symphonic orchestration. And all of a sudden, it happens. And it's not Jeffrey Tubin on a Zoom call. It's live. It's not Memorex. It's live. Yeah. Well, what moves some people in the world? I might be moved, too. But I don't know whether I would be moved to that degree. All right, let's leave that. What a perfect set. No, it's not. So now we go to the wholesome, the most wholesome moments of this program every week. America's heartland with our very own America's small caffeinated mom, the one, the only Rhonda Schrock. Good morning, James. Good morning, team. <laughs> good, good morning, Rhonda. And she laughs on Good morning. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. Actually, I just texted James during the show, Scott, and I said, can Scott's wife call in sometime? She sounds like an interesting person. We're trying to make that happen. It's Yeah. It'll, it'll happen. It, it, we'll, we'll, okay. we'll get it. We'll get, we'll get her there. Okay. That's good. So, Rhonda, what's your real man? Well, I I was thinking about that, listening to your discussion, since my husband and I, you know, have raised four. Um, they are people who take responsibility. Um, and I'm going to describe my husband here, not just for himself, but for our family. He, he is a very strong, uh, intelligent man who has devoted his life to providing for me and our children. Uh, he takes that very seriously. He is, uh, he, he's, a, he's gifted at research, so he does not make decisions quickly. He researches everything to see what's going to be best, not just for him, uh, but for our family. He went to college after we first got married. We did it the hard way, and he earned a five-year degree in three years by going year-round. He has spent his energy and just poured his heart and soul into leading our family well, one of the things that a strong, real man will do is to provide sound guidance and wisdom uh, for those for whom he's responsible, whether that's employees or his family. Um, And even now that three of our sons are grown, they call home to ask dad what he thinks when they have a a decision to make or just practical life matters, they will call him and pick his brain. I cannot tell you how much I love that. And I'm going to, I'm going to 
tell you something else, James, that you're going to think you said once, I feel like I'm talking to Mother Superior. Well, you're not. But there is the speaking as a woman here, there is something incredibly sexy and attractive about a man who will defend you to the death, who will put himself in harm's way to defend you and your children. We want that. I don't care what the feminists say. I, I'm five feet tall, a buck ten and change. I can't defend myself against an attacker. Um, in fact, when we were in Washington, D.C. a year ago, um, the homeless there, I was shocked to see how many homeless were there right by the White House. And as we walked, oh, yeah. actually, yeah, past the White House. Right in Lafayette Park. Yeah. Yes. Well, we picked up a couple of them uh, that kind of followed us for a while. They were out of their minds. They were muttering. They were, I, I mean, it, it made me a little nervous, but I was traveling with a posse. And I knew that no one was going to lay a finger on me. Now, with all that strength and all that provision, my husband has uh, been absolutely masterful at learning what I need, learning how to uh, help me become the best I can be, considering my needs. I would never be doing this, or I would never have had a newspaper column for seven years if he had not told me I could do it. He was the one who, who saw the gift in me and called it out. Mm. I, I'm not, I'm, I would never be the woman that I am in, in all the ways, wife, mother, just person, if it were not for that strong man behind me and in front of me. And I love following him. I, I just, it's not an insult for him to be strong in areas that I'm not strong in because I then am strong in areas he's not strong in. And so we work as a team. I like that. It's lovely. I love it. I got to ask you another um, quick question before you tell yes. us about your essay this week, Rhonda. Yes. We yes. were talking earlier this week about life in the city, you know, and you chimed in then too. I asked you, what did they have any discos out there in the cornfields? <laughs> and you quickly corrected me that they're wheat fields, not cornfields, you idiot. But um, that, was, that was in Kansas because that's where I grew up. You grew up in Kansas and they don't have corn yeah. in Kansas. They have wheat in Kansas. Wheat and Milo and that kind of thing, yes. And what? Milo. What's that? It's a grain. It's a grain. Milo? Yes. Mm -hmm. That sounds like an activist guy. Yanopolis. <laughs> no. uh, yeah. I, Milo. What kind of grain is that? Well, that's okay. I didn't even know what. Yeah. Anyway. I didn't know what quinoa was until a few years ago. Right. Anyway. There you go. Yeah. So. Okay, so we were like in all the places that we used to go party in New York and New York. Where did you party when you were when you were growing up in rural Kansas? Uh, we didn't. No, wait a minute. Did oh, uh, this, uh, you didn't party? We didn't party. I mean, uh, my life was high school, my parochial country school, and youth group. And so we had our youth group was very active, very busy. So that was my social life. It it was. <laughs> It was pretty insular, but, you know, there were a lot of good things about that, too. We just didn't get into trouble. Drinking wasn't a thing. Um, yeah, we just had good, clean fun. We had a ton That's of what fun. I mean. Wholesome. Yeah. Uh, yes, it was. It, it doesn't mean yeah, it was I had, yeah, I used yeah. to have good. I used to have good, clean fun, too. But guess what? I bet my definition of good, clean fun was a lot different <laughs> than your definition of Good, right. I mean, fun. I grew up on my grandpa's 
farm playing kick the can after dark with my cousins. I've heard you know? about that kick the can thing. I oh, thought it was like hoop. something they I thought it was something they made up in books, kick the can. Who wants to just kick I mean, this is a game. You're going to go kick a can? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then Thanks, everybody babe. hides. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's oh, so much fun. Oh, it sounds fun. exciting. <laughs> it does. It sounds really wrong. It does. It, you got to say it sounds exciting. Oh, what are we going to do? Let's go kick the can. <laughs> well, oh. when you have as many cousins as I did, it was a lot of fun. I don't know if you grew up with a big family, but that was a great way to grow up. We loved Kicking it. Kicking cans. And, yeah. <laughs> There's a little more to it than that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm, trying, I'm, not, I'm not making fun. Uh, yes, I am. I'm, I'm yes, you not. are. But I just, I mean, kick the can. Yeah, that's what I always wanted to do when I was in high school. Oh, come on. Come on, folks. Let's go kick the can. Yeah. Well, that was before high school days. But, you know, you have a whole ton of cousins. It's dark. There's a bunch of lanes and outbuildings on the farm. We're hiding, and, you know, there's chasing in the dark. And then one of my cousins That sounds actually, dangerous. Yeah. Oh, it was it was a hoot. What caused the little insurrection one day was when my cousin used his retired canine German Shepherd to help him find us. Pitchforks. I mean, that was cheating. You don't use a German Shepherd, you know. That was when smart. you're playing kick the king. <laughs> well, I know smart, but we all turned on him, so it didn't turn out to be so smart. So yeah, man, that was anyway. the big. That was the big thing. All right, so the essay this week, Rhonda, as we yes. go back and reminisce about kicking the can, is what is your essay this <laughs> this well, week? I tell you, there, folks, this is wholesome America, and you gotta love it. Kick the can was real. I just discovered. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. your essay this week, Rhonda. Yeah. Well, this is real too. There was a story that made national news just recently. A prominent and very well loved neurosurgeon in Detroit was shot and killed in his own home. Oh no. He, well, the reason that story mattered to us is because his family is known to us. He was going to go home and attend to his terminally ill mother, and when he didn't show up, the family got concerned, called the Detroit police. They went and did a welfare check, and, and they found his body. Well, four days after his murder, his mother passed away from cancer. So in four days' time, the family, which, again, is we know is known to us, was planning two funerals. And I thought about that a lot in the last couple of weeks, and I thought, you know what, there are things that transcend politics and parties and the lesser things that we give our lives to, and death is one of those things. And we don't like to talk about it, but we have to look at it. We had, I remember years ago, a Sunday school teacher once saying in class three words that just, just stuck in my mind, we're all terminal. We are all terminal, and that can either throw us into despair and a frenzy of distraction and numbing behaviors, or it can cause us to look closely at our lives and live with intention. And as I look back over my life this last week as I was preparing uh, for the show, it was like I was watching a movie, James. And what I noticed that was that in every frame, there was not one frame in which God was not present. And I knew as I looked at that, that it was because as a girl in that country church on those prairie, prairie fields, I had made a decision to put my faith in God. And so every single hard thing that I have ever gone through, I never went through it alone. And I was never without everything I needed to get through it. 
So I, we had a close friend, I've, I told his story at Christmas time on the show, actually, who struggled deeply with the concept of faith. He was a tough boss of firefighter. And so one day I said, you know what, it's like faith is the cord that plugs into the wall. Your appliances are dead and useless until you put the plug in the wall. You don't have to see the wiring in the wall. You don't have to know how electricity works. You only need just enough space to put the plug into the outlet and your appliances will come to life. And I will never forget his face as he listened to me that day. And then he said, I think I'm ready to try it. Three months later, he got a terminal diagnosis of lung cancer. And three weeks before he died, he said these words to me, I'll be waiting for you. Because he had also made that decision to put his faith in God. And so that's what I want to share with our listeners, that politics, we love, we need to talk about politics, but there are things greater than that. And if anyone is struggling with faith, all you need is just enough faith to plug in. That's all. Where can we read your column, Rhonda? Uh, It's on the Daily BS today, thedailybs.com, and of course my website, rondashrock.com. James, I love this country so much. I love all of her people, my family and my friends, and I love you. Thank you, Rhonda. Love you too, James Golden. Thank you. Coming back, ladies and gentlemen, to wrap it up after this. The Saturday Morning Radio Extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. So and Phil. Phil Collins. Philip Bailey. Genesis meets Earth, Wind, and Fire. I guess is the way to do it. Easy Lover on WABC, Talk Radio 77. As we head back, to the telephones, George in the Bronx, thank you for waiting. How are you, George? Hey, George. Hey, George. Put him on hold, we'll come back. Hey, Sandra in New Jersey. How are you, Sandra? Oh, I'm good, James. How are you? Good, thank you, my dear. Um, You know, I wanted to say this today because I've been thinking about it a lot. What happened um, in the subway, to me, it was an accident. I think it was, and it had a sad outcome. But I also have to say that what happened to George Floyd to teach someone a lesson that we don't play around with the upper cavity. And, and because I'm going to just tell you a little something. I went to the dentist about oh, a while ago, and he, they put something over the mouth inside to just work on the tube like you would in an operating room, okay? And then they yep. put that thing in to, to suck out all the, the fluid. And, and yep. I started to panic. I thought I, I thought I couldn't breathe. I was panicking. So what I'm trying to say here is they had three people there. I didn't see the other people so involved. I just saw that one Marine that meant well. But why do we have to do a chokehold? Why can't we just hold the guy down? And like Scott said, I think it was Scott today, said, I would talk to the guy. I would subdue him. I'd that hold him down. Yeah, right. I... yeah. All right. Well, that's so I'm saying this could George Floyd could have panicked. 
and this guy could have panicked, thinking he can't breathe. That's what I'm thinking. Well, it, it may be true, Sandra, but see, here's the thing. When you're in a situation like that, sometimes holding a guy doesn't work. It actually took three men to subdue him. And talking to the, some people that are mentally disordered does not work either. So I'm not going to second guess his decision to try to restrain the guy. I wish, of course, that it didn't turn out this way. But more importantly, why do we see this continue to happen? That people are out threatening other human beings on the subway, that the subways are so unsafe, that a guy that's arrested 44 different times is still out on the street and not getting the care he needs. It's easy to pinpoint the Marine and ask questions. But how about these questions about how this happens in the first place? And that we need to answer as well. Mike in Patterson, New Jersey, how are you? Uh, One thing I was thinking about that I haven't heard anybody say, that it might sound stupid, but say the grand jury lets this guy off, okay, and nothing happens to him. I personally believe it's going to be open season on these crazies and people are going to start choking people out. And, uh, it, you know, that uh, that's just my opinion, that I think that that's going to – people are sitting back. I hope what's not. Going to happen with this I hope not. And let me tell you, a lot of people are still reluctant to put themselves forward. This is unusual for a man to step up these days any day, and actually try to prevent something that he sees going on. I think in an airplane, it might be different. In a subway, there are a lot of people who would just move. Let me get to another car. Let me do anything to get away from this. And we've seen situations. I've been on the train where the crazies go off, and everyone just kind of gives them the New York ignore. I'm going to ignore this as long as I can. Just don't come near me. I'm going to ignore this as long as I can. But people are feeling unsafe. In fact, there's a New York columnist today that talks about all of these cases that have happened recently. The kid that rang the doorbell and got killed. The girl that pulled into the wrong driveway that got killed. And there's something going on. People are feeling unsafe like never before. Russ in White Plains, New York, thank you. Thanks for the call, Mike. Russ, you're up next. Uh, thanks, James. You know, Avery spoke about that lion that goes in front of the herd, and I was just wondering, is he talking about Curtis Lewa, kind of like a broken-down lion that's moth-eaten? And I wanted to know, Avery, why do you stick the lion up in front? Is it to sacrifice that lion, or is it so that the lion will prevent a hothead who overreacts? And one other thing, James. Now, I- let me stop. Let me just stop you right there. One of the okay. things that I do on this program is I don't take calls disparaging the other host on WABC. I'm just not disparaging. You, when, when you say broken down all that, look, Curtis is my boy. Me and Curtis disagree on things, but Curtis has spent his life protecting New Yorkers. And one of the things that I'm not going to do, though, is rag another talk show host on this program. If you got issue with Curtis, call Curtis. But I would prefer not to involve other talk show hosts on this program. I don't think it's appropriate. And those are just my rules. But I love you. Thanks for the call, Russ. Appreciate it. Joe, you're up next on WABC. Hello? Well, hey, Joe, you're up next. Get right to it. 
All right. Should I keep quiet or start talking? Start talking right now. Okay. Uh, I'm um, I'm what you might call a subway hero. I was almost killed a few decades ago defending on a packed train. No seats available and maybe 50 other people standing up. No one's paying attention. Well, they are paying attention, but they're not acting. Uh, a teenage kid, his throat is already cut by three guys. The kid is sobbing and bleeding. No one is doing anything. There was a reason. I, got, I, was, I went to high school in Brooklyn, and I got on a stop later than I normally do. I stopped by a bodega. There's a reason the seat that was open was open, because it was facing these three guys cutting the kid's throat. Oh, my God. And, you know, courage is what you do when you're scared. You know, brave doesn't mean you're not afraid. I was scared to death. And finally, I thought, I'm an older brother. What if that was my brother? I have to do something. And I was able to uh, fight for a few minutes until I had both my lungs punctured. They all had knives. But then they got off. The train stopped. They ran off. The kid's alive, and I'm alive. What your callers have been saying is rooted in ignorance. It's rooted in not being in life and death situations. It's rooted in being too afraid to act. Well, I was afraid. It's, it's not about the fear thing. I got a black belt in Taekwondo the year later because I said, this, this, I have to learn how to fight. I was an athlete. That's why I survived. I was in great shape. But I wasn't a fighter. Now I am. But this Marine, um, people... This is uh, an event. I've had several events. I rode the subways for 20 years in Manhattan and Brooklyn. And so I've had several encounters. But I'm only using the one where I was almost killed. Because people don't know what kinds of people, mentally ill, criminal, or average Joes like me, ride the train. It is often... It can frequently be a fatal event to the unlucky person who runs into the wrong setting on a subway train. That's what I wanted to comment on. And you saved that young man's life. Yes. You say he's alive, you said, because you took action at a cost to having been stabbed yourself twice by interfering to try to help save someone else, and you were able to save someone else. So it's still, a, even though it's decades ago, this event, it's still a, a vibrant memory. You know, things that are that that crazy stay with you for your life, you know? Ladies and gentlemen, we've been asking all morning, what makes a man? We have one. Said he was scared, but he did what he had to do to save someone else. How else do you say, Joe, you're a real man and you're an inspiration. Thank you, Joe, for being part of this audience. Your, your show, I listen to you always. But it's the first time I've ever called anybody. It's just the events that are being discussed that are too troubling, you know, too far removed from reality. Wow. Some perspective. What a way to end. Reality I'm sorry? We got to stop it there, Joe. Thank you for calling. What a way to end the show. Thank you. You're amazing. We all needed to hear that.
that was remarkable. May God bless and protect each and every single one of you and your families and loved ones. It is gratitude and love that I have for you for being here. Thank you. We'll be back Monday, God willing, at 4 o'clock for Boston Early's Rush Hour. Have a wonderful weekend. See you later. Bye.